so all of a sudden I'm feeling a little bit like, I mean, a hypocrite, I guess, or just like disingenuous in what I was teaching because I wasn't enjoying the business. And then there's, the, you know, third of all, there's just the feeling of like, man, does that mean I'm a failure? Like that and all of a sudden now I don't like the business that I've been building. But thankfully through actually a series of personal retreats like that, I started realizing things like, oh, you know, you've, you've totally choked off all these things that used to energize yourself. Imagine you're the co-host of an extremely popular, long-running podcast and the co-founder of a successful digital products business. And you begin to realize you've fallen out of love with the work you're doing. Do you stick it out? Do you abandon ship? How do you even determine what your next step should be? This is What Works, the small business podcast that asks what's really working to manage and grow small businesses today. And I'm your host, Tara McMullen. This week, my guest is Jason Van Orden, who found himself in exactly that scenario. In September of 2005, Jason co-founded the first ever podcast about internet business and online marketing. It quickly became one of the top business podcasts in the world. To this day, it's one of the most profitable podcasts on iTunes, having generated millions of dollars in sales directly from the show. But this isn't a story about internet business mastery. It's a story about what Jason did next and how he did it. Jason and I chat about how he made the initial decision to step away from a successful business, how he's intentionally experimented to see where his skills and strengths could do the most good, why he created a quick reference guide to his own talents, and how he's applied his unique genius to all aspects of his new business. And now let's find out what works for Jason Van Orden. Jason Van Orden, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Tara. So glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. So uh, like a ton of small business owners have over the years, you found yourself in a business that was no longer playing to your strengths or your personal story. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on, what happened, and how you made the decision to walk away and build something new on your own? Yeah, it was really kind of a slow process to realize what exactly was happening. But I had been in the same business for about for about a decade, which is probably a, a long time for any entrepreneur to kind of stay doing one thing. And, you know, it started just kind of there's started to manifest this discontent, this, uh, you know, it, it was like my fulfillment had plateaued and then started waning. And my you know, I just noticed that when a, a string of days was going by in a row where I would end the day, just kind of like, I don't know that I was like really into it today or inspired or creative or anything like that. And you know, finally you have to pay attention. And it's kind of easy, I think, sometimes for a while to push away or ignore those things. And in my case, I, I think the reason why I was, it took me a while to kind of like actually look at what was going on is that, um, you know, I, I just moved to Paris, France, which was like this pinnacle lifestyle goal that I had for myself. And that lifestyle goal ultimately depended on this business that I, you know, had already created and was running in order to pay for, you know, the expense of living in Paris. So, you know, if you, if you choose, like you're in the middle of this awesome thing that's dependent on the business, kind of like not an ideal time to also be looking critically at the business that, cause you're like, I imagine I was scared that I'd find out what I did find out. I was like, Oh my gosh, I actually don't, and enjoy this much anymore. Um, and finally, as is often the case, my wife said, you know, I can tell, you know, just talking about it, she's like, I can tell that things just aren't, um, you know, you're just not as energized anymore. And when you talk about the business and stuff, it's not, uh, you know, it's just not the way that it used to be. And so she encouraged me uh, to kind of just go on a personal 
retreat. Um, and since I, I lived in Paris at, time, at the time, you can imagine like you have access to all these cool places. So I chose Prague, which I'd never been to before. And the reason I did that is like, you know, it's like I got to get out of my usual element. Um, you know, I'd already lived in Paris for several months. So it's like, okay, let me get out of my own home, my home office, go to a, a new place, somewhere novel. Um, cause that, you know, that's just kind of a way to kind of kickstart the creativity and thought and just kind of be alone away from any other responsibilities for a few days and kind of dig in, you know, whether that's through journaling uh, or whatever, you know, it kind of came to me in that, um, at that time. And what, what started to unfold, I and mean, I wish I could say that everything like in that one retreat, um, kind of unfolded, but it, it became apparent. I mean, I, I could tell I was stagnating. It just, I was a bit confused. It's like, wow, I've taught for 10 years, like start a business that you love and figure out what your strengths are and figure out what something you'd really love to do for years and years. So all of a sudden I'm feeling a little bit like, which is another reason I probably resisted it a little bit like, uh, I mean, a hypocrite, I guess, or just like disingenuous in what I was teaching because I wasn't enjoying the business. And then there's, the, you know, third of all, there's this feeling of like, man, does that mean I'm a failure? Like that, and also now I don't like the business that I've been building. But thankfully, through actually a series of personal retreats like that, I started realizing things like, oh, you know, you've you've totally choked off all these things that used to energize yourself for various reasons. You, um, uh, you know, then I also um, realized that the whole idea of it failing was no, you know, if I step away from this business, that's because I'd be making a choice that it's time to move on to something else. How many entrepreneurs out there do that? Like all of them, right? Like they go from one thing to the next, just cause they, they need that challenge. They need to mix things up. And so I could see that I hadn't been following my curiosity anymore. I hadn't been experimenting, hadn't been trying new things, hadn't been, uh, you know, as interactive and connected and connecting with, uh, my audience. Cause I'd been making things, more and more hands off, quote unquote, scalable, because that's what everyone always talks about. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are all little things that were just adding up to like, wow, this is just not providing me the energy that it that it used to. Um, and it finally became apparent, like, OK, so then what has to be done about it? Right. But um, I guess the, the 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 point there is, like, you know, I think so often we think that can just kind of sit there under the surface for a while and there's all these reasons that we can and and ignore it but you know at some point it's like anything that just sits there and festers like an infection or anything right it's going to have to be looked at and and dealt with and helped right Absolutely. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to describe or maybe a not so beautiful way to describe a feeling that a lot of people go through, right? As as our businesses right. change, whether they've been in it for a decade, as you were, or even just for a few months, um, you know, what you start isn't always what you end up with, or it's what you start isn't always what you thought it was going to be. So you mentioned that this took this process kind of took a, a number of different personal retreats or you had you had to kind of play with these ideas and and come to a level of awareness about this over time how long did that process take you um, I mean, truthfully, you know, I think, I think we, we all have these transitionary periods in our life and in our business. And I don't know if this, for, for several reasons, I think this was an especially big one. I don't know if it was cause, you know, I'd been a parent for uh, a couple years. I was around that age of 40, kind of the, you know, quintessential midlife, you know, thing. Uh, maybe it was the fact that I had reached that pinnacle lifestyle goal and the contrast of that for whatever reason, it, this was a big one. And so that is to say, like, for me, 
from that moment of going, ooh, I need to start unlayering this to actually taking some really definitive actions, it, it honestly it unfolded over a couple of years for me. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people since about these kind of transitionary periods. And I think sometimes they're a couple months and sometimes they're just, you know, they're, they're bigger ones. Of course, we're always growing and changing, but I think we can tell those moments when it's like, I'm in a real inflection point, whether that's a smaller one, um, or, or a bigger one. But, um, it, yeah, it was giving myself that permission finally just to kind of step back from everything that, that allowed that two year process to really start unlayering. And then, but it's not like I had to wait two years to start feeling more fulfilled in my business again, because thankfully pretty quickly I was able to start seeing some of the things that were missing and just start, you know, integrating those back in things like, Oh, I haven't followed my curiosity in a good long time. Right. It's like, I, like when I think about the times where I come up with my best ideas or when I'm the most jazzed or excited about something, it's because something like honestly, like truly just intrigues me. And I feel driven to you know go down a rabbit hole with it. And I might not even see in the moment what, how it's going to apply to anything. But this is like one facet of who I am that when that's not there. That, you know, my creativity wanes and my uh, and, you know, therefore, then my my energy, the energy that my the work provides to me is going to wane because that curiosity is not being fed and it's not creating the raw material for everything else that, um, that I do. So I started following my curiosity and I think it took a good couple of years of following that curiosity to really start, uh, um, yeah, getting to the heart of, of what needed to change and what the next evolution was for me. Mm, that's such a great takeaway. I think for listeners that you know, you knew something was going on, you knew this wasn't fulfilling you in the way that it once had or that it could be. But you didn't wait to completely rip the bandaid off to start making it better. You, you, uh, you addressed what some of the big the you know, the kind of the low hanging fruit of the problem first in the the work that you were doing and the, the business that you had before stepping into the new thing. So let's talk about stepping into the new thing um, a little bit more. But, and before we get to the evolution of that new thing, I'm just curious, mm -hmm. you know, what were you, what did you think you were starting when you started something new? Because I'm sure that it's changed over time and we're going to get to that. Um, but I, I'm curious what your initial vision or initial idea was behind the new thing. Yeah. You know, honestly, at first I thought all I needed was just a sabbatical from my, my business to figure out how to reinvent the business I already had to be fulfilling for me once again. Um, which is when I, when that, and that's, that's the big aha that came from the prog retreat. You need a sabbatical from your business. And immediately my brain is like, there's absolutely no way. As much as I'd like to think my business, I could step away from it. Mm. It's like, no, it's not. Now the truth of the matter is, you know, I was avoiding a conversation with my partner about that whole thing. And to fast forward, we actually ended up finding a creative way to take that sabbatical. So that's what I thought I was stepping into at first. As that sabbatical went along, which, you know, thankfully we were, we were able then to step back and give ourselves a lot more space to just kind of, um, you know, explore and, and see what we want to do. And the idea was hopefully we'd bring that back and reinvigorate the business. But then what ended up happening is as that sabbatical went along, I started realizing, no, you know what, I'm actually ready for something very different, you know, and by very different, I mean, I could tell, you know, as much as I had a good business partnership at the time, I'm like, I think I'm ready to like collaborate with other people as much as I enjoyed for 10 years serving a very particular audience. I could see, you know what, there's a different audience I want to work with now. So enough variables that I saw that needed to change. I'm like, I think this is actually going to be a, uh, a totally new thing. And, and then I really actually didn't know. I mean, I tried to just kind of stay open. And the only thing that the, the finally kind of came to me 
that had any kind of certainty in terms of like a, a channel for making money or anything like that was I think I'm going to do some consulting, which, which kind of seemed a weird revelation at the time because I was going, you know, from this business that was the whole, you know, not trade your time for hours thing to going, oh, I'm going to go back to trading my time for <laughs> right. hours. Um, but my hope was that in going back to doing consulting, that would just get me back closer to people in the marketplace and the needs of the market and kind of getting a feedback loop of where I could create the best value in the market. Um, and that's really about as far as I, you know, in those first few months got, and I really was just trying to stay open to what is the next thing going to look like? I, I wasn't sure. That makes a ton of sense. All right. So on that that train of thought, then um, I've loved watching you kind of feel things out over the last couple of years, look at where your skills and your strengths could do the most good and how you could form that into, you know, business offerings that make sense for you, both from a consulting standpoint, and maybe more from a scalable standpoint. And you've termed the process that you went through as discovering your unique genius. Um, and I think that's probably something that a lot of people can resonate with, you know, finding that sort of Venn diagram of what people are willing to pay for and where you naturally do the most good. Um, can you tell us how your own unique genius has shaped the business that you have now? How did it go from, well, I should do some, some consulting to what you're doing right now. Right. Um, so yeah, it, to just kind of, yeah, I use the word unique genius cause I think it's one that does resonate with a lot of people and, but I'm sure a lot of people have kind of different ideas and it can be a very kind of nebulous yeah. concept, but just, you know, very, just so people know where I'm coming from. I just kind of see it as like an understanding of the set of skills and circumstances and even personality traits that just allow you, um, to perform at your best. And, you know, perform at your best, it can be in terms of the results you you create, the value you create, the fulfillment you generate for yourself, um, you know, even the the money that you want to generate. I, I believe and I've found over the years that the more you do focus on unlayering and developing and applying and leveraging your unique genius to whatever your pursuit is, it's really your greatest opportunity for uh, impact, income, value creation, growth, and all those things that a lot of us are are going for. And consulting didn't make sense at first, but it started becoming very apparent to me kind of why my intuition took me there because uh, one of the ways that we best find our unique genius, which one element is like, where do we create that great, that value for others that they you know, that, that they value in us. Like, where can we create that stuff that they really, you know, it's like, wow, I need that. That's something that fulfills a need for me. And so when you're sitting in a room, like doing strategy days or VIP, you know, just brainstorming with a client, um, I was able to get this very immediate feedback about like what they really responded to and the things that I would say or the things that I would do. And sometimes I'd be prepared with all this stuff that I thought, oh, these exercises, these fancy, you know, strategy tools that I had pulled out of books and things. And then it turns out that, you know, there, it, we ended up going down some path because of certain questions that came to my mind or some, you know, nugget that I pulled out of everything we were doing. And then that led, and so I just, I was able to start going, Oh, okay, wait a second. I, I can now see where people really respond to how I show up as my best self. So let me just make it more concrete. Um, I found that with, you know, when I'm sitting in the room with like big visionary thinkers with big ideas and they want to make this 
um, you know, just they have, want to bring this big message to the world and make some big shift in the industry that they're in or whatever the case may be, you know, sometimes it's easy to kind of just get lost in, in thinking really big and, and sometimes their strengths aren't the ones that are needed to make the more granular plan of, well, this is where you could focus next and here's how to connect points A, where you're at right now, to point B, where you need to go. Um, and these are like the critical factors to be considered. And those are all the things that my brain just naturally thinks about. And, you know, when I would hear people go, wow, Jason, there's just something about the way your mind works. It caught me off guard. And I don't say that here on this interview to go, hey, look at me. The point I'm making <laughs> is it caught me off guard because like, it seems so natural to me to look at a problem that way or to ask certain questions or to diagram it onto a, a page. And, and it was like, you know, it was blowing people away. And all of a sudden I went from thinking I had to do 20 things in order to justify, you know, a multiple thousands of dollar consulting fee to like, wow, it really can be like this one thing and this one way that I think that then produces clarity or confidence in them. And they just, they know, cause I think any really experienced entrepreneur executive knows that, there's stuff that they don't know. There's strengths that they don't have and that op there's a high opportunity cost of confusion and being stuck. And sometimes you got to go find, you know, other people with other talents and strengths then that just get you through that and get you moving again. And so I started valuing that in me. It's like I do have something like that to bring to the table. And I stopped, you know, relying so much on all these external factors to prove my value and really own the fact that it's like, look, these are things I do at above average just because they're natural to me does not mean that they're not worth people's time and money and my, you know, focus and, and development and growth. So, you know, that's one of the really valuable things that, and I'm not saying, you know, Hey, if you're stuck, go do some consulting, although, Hey, it might be a great, great idea. But I think the, the broader principle there that I discovered is I needed to very quickly find feedback loops. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the feedback loop there was person in the room reacting to me very directly, which I had no longer had that feedback loop in my previous business because these digital courses were so hands off. Like I was like way more than arm's length with my the students that were consuming my stuff. So now I was getting back to where those feedback loops were coming back regularly with input and going, oh, OK, now I can adjust and, and develop and own and, and ideate according to what's what I'm discovering as I move forward. Yeah, that really resonates with me. I've uh, over the last couple of years, I've done a lot more hands-on work than I was doing in the previous, say, five years. A lot more hands-on facilitation, some coaching here and there, and just looking for exactly as you said, those feedback loops. Where is this working? What is people find? What are people finding valuable about this? Where is it really easy for me? And then I can think about you know how that might scale, how we can do that for more people, how I can document the process behind that and have someone else do it. But it still has to start with, as you said, the feedback loops, really understanding where things are landing with people and, you know, maybe where they're not as well. We'll hear more of the behind the scenes details of Jason's transition to a new business in just a bit. But first, if you appreciate getting the inside scoop and learning all the nitty gritty details about how small businesses really work, we'd love for you to take a minute to share what works with other business owners you know. In fact, can I ask you a favor? Unless you're driving or in the middle of an intense hit workout, take a second to snap a screenshot of this podcast on your device. Then post the pic to your favorite social media platform and tag me, Tara McMullen. You can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram, my personal favorite. I'm Tara underscore McMullen. Thanks for your help. Now, I'd love to introduce you to a new What Works partner. 
I pay the co-commercial team and myself with Gusto. Now you might be thinking, I'm not ready for a payroll provider. I was in the same boat when I started with Gusto. Gusto gave me the confidence to hire both contractors and employees, and they've made it easy to stay compliant, offer great benefits, and keep me in control of our money. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes, guides you and educates you along the way, and takes the guesswork out of taking care of your team. We love Gusto and we think you might too. Test it out and get three months free at gusto.com slash whatworks. That's gusto.com slash what works. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you can kind of walk us through maybe some of the particulars of the way your uh, per, uh, maybe one of your offers has evolved. So you mentioned that you don't have to do 23 things anymore to justify a multi or, or many thousands of dollars consulting fee. How has your consulting offer actually changed since you kind of set out on your own? Yeah. Well, here's one thing that I want to uh, point out that has changed, and that is that I have gotten more confident in selling my services and my prices have gone up. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people listening to this wouldn't mind having yeah. is charging something they feel is you know more deserving or whatever, just what they'd like to charge. And 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 it's because, uh, you know, I, the more clear, the clearer I got about where my value was and how different it was from what, because, you know, there's a lot of really smart people doing an amazing thing, amazing things. And you might get hired by somebody who really amazing. You're like, well, how in the world can I do anything to help them? But, you know, they've got their own unique strengths that are different. So that's one thing It's just my confidence and my ability to sell and my prices went up. But in terms of the structure of it, um, I mean, I knew I didn't want to keep on uh, consulting. Um, I still do do some, but, you know, it's just kind of following that thread um, for a while. But one thing that I learned through that consulting um, and following my curiosity is, you know, I always thought of myself as like, oh, I'm really fulfilled by teaching, which is true. But think, something I stumbled upon because it, as I was just kind of experimenting with stuff because you know, I was like, okay, how can I take – I started seeing the commonalities in my consulting and obviously I started thinking, well, how can I make something a little more scalable, whether it's kind of a group thing or some process that I license or whatever. And also that I stumbled upon this concept called facilitation. And of course – I know what the word facilitation means, but I never really like known what it was as like a practice or a thing, a professional and teaching a facilitation are two very, very different things. You know, facilitation, you might hand a room a, an activity or a framework and then they arrive at it's kind of like you know, group coaching and there's all these. And in the moment I went to a workshop about that out of curiosity, all of a sudden I realized, oh, this is one reason why my last business started choking the life out of me is that um, I so this goes back to the, the kind of that unique genius. I do my best work. I show up at my best. I am my most energized when I am in the room with people, when I am, or at the very least interacting with a group or individual, you know, whether that's across zoom, but that is more interactive. And because my last business, because I thought that's how it needed to be, because that's what everyone talks about. I kept pulling myself more and more and more out of that. And so the consulting led me to like learning about facilitation and learned about, okay, how to make really good workshops and then, and that was driven by me seeking my unique genius for my own fulfillment, but also knowing that's where I would create my greatest value and going, okay, so it doesn't look like one of the three business models that it seems like everybody says you have to use online because the truth is there's way more than that. That just happens to be, you know, it just feels like there's three, right? And, and that if you don't want to do one of those three, you're doing it wrong. And um, and so I was able to start extracting myself more from some of that, you know, formulaic thinking 
which, you know, it's understandable when that I feel like I'm a little all over the place. But this is one thing I do want to mention, because if anybody's out there and you ever thought, you know, you go to a conference or you go take a course or whatever, and and it just starts giving you this feeling like, oh, man, you're feeling dejected because it's like, I I think I'm just doing it wrong because my thing's not, you know, scalable or I don't have a funnel in this exact way or I don't sell in the, the whatever. And, you know, it's just those things get taught and sold and that's, you know, such a sure way, like this is the way to do it. And if you don't do it this way, like this is what worked for me, it's going to work for you to do. It's like, guess what? There's also dozens and dozens of other ways for it to work for you because your timing is different. Your strengths are different. Your genius is different. Your vision is different. Your values are different. Your goals are different. So, you know, I had really got more and more over time steeped in my previous business and kind of that thinking of like, well, there seems to be just a right way to do this. So find someone successful and do what they did. And more and more, I was ignoring my own unique genius, ignoring my own intuition. Um, and thankfully, this process was starting to get me back in touch with that. So to wrap it back around the original question, the way my offers have changed is I actually haven't made, a di- I mean, I'm not saying I won't make any digital courses, but I haven't made a digital course in a few years now. And Everything's been geared a lot more towards facilitation, workshop style, group stuff, and like framework over kind of formula, formula, you know, teaching and how to. So because that's where I create my greatest value and find that people enjoy what I um, and benefit most from what I do. Ugh, preach. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> there with you on on all of that. Just all of it. So I'll just say preach. Um, okay, so. <laughs> Having gone on a similar path and having reached some similar conclusions and and even having, uh, I think, become aware of some similar areas of unique genius in my own story uh, as the, you know, into the story that you're telling now, I know that I personally have had fears, worries, uh, trepidation around stepping away from what felt like a really proven model. And I think for both you and I, it's not just stepping away from what everybody else says is what you're supposed to do. It's actually stepping away from something that has actually worked for us, right? Right. Your old business worked well, my old business worked well. um, And necessarily, I think stepping away from that creates some feelings of uh, you know, disease, unease. Um, what were some of the things that you worried about? Some of the fears that you had as you kind of stepped into this new iteration of the work that you were doing and how did you work through those? Yeah, well, I mean, the truth is I felt like I had rewound about 14 years and was starting all over again mm-hmm. in some in some ways because all the big imposter syndrome stuff started coming back up again. Um, it, there was a big identity shift, and I don't think that always happens in an inflection point, but like I said, it was a big one for me. And by identity shift, it was like, well, for 10 years, I've been Jason Van Orden of Internet Business Mastery, the first podcast about internet business and internet marketing. And I, I don't think I realized how much like – my hat kind of hung on like people knowing me for that. Right. And I had to like let that and a lot of other things go in order to open up to the, the new thing. And that kind of left me just feeling very untethered and uncomfortable for a while because your brain starts playing these weird tricks. Like, are you even relevant anymore? Maybe you already had all your good ideas. Maybe that was your thing. And now you're just, you know, and, and it was, it was difficult to, um, step away from what was was so familiar to go towards something that you know for the kind of having faith in the fact that something bigger or more fulfilling or just 
you know, I'll just say better for me was out there. Now, how did I get through that? Um, it certainly required, well, you know, this is a good lesson to learn. There were, there was a good several months there where I tried to get through it just by myself. Cause I have this horrible habit of being kind of a rugged individualist. I can just figure this out. And, and, uh, and we haven't really gotten into to this, but there, but there was some mental health stuff going on which, that during that time, which was making me isolate more and more and more and more, which is like the opposite of what you need to do. But finally, when I did start realizing, well, okay, I need to start connecting with people more. Again, two things that helped me a ton. Um, well, one thing immediately I started doing is just having conversations with people, connecting with old colleagues again. And, um, it actually all been very hard for me in the past to reach out regularly. Um, you know, I see people at conferences and meet them and like say hi and can be very social, but then like in between, it wasn't my style to keep in touch with people. And I just started setting up conversations and reaching out and, and that reminded me that it's like, wow, everybody I've talked to is going through something dealing with something hard in their business, despite the polished sheen of what you see online, you know, they're dealing with their, their own thing. And so there was always that reminder or often they might be like, Oh yeah, I went to, through something kind of what sounds like what you're going through and here's something that helped me. So I'd come away with an insight. So I think just like connecting with people and reminding yourself and with the ones that are appropriate, being a little bit vulnerable and really saying like, this is something I'm going through and then seeing, which I finally did with a group mastermind. And, and it was, it was transformational to go through that. Cause I went through like this seven, eight months of feeling like, wow, my, where's my identity? Maybe I'm not relevant anymore. My confidence is like up and down and I'm not latching on to any of these ideas. And my, it's just all over the place to just sharing that with a group of my peers and all having them look at me and like nod their head and go, yeah, that's tough. I've been there too. That's really hard. Rather than like the lizard brain in me was thinking immediately be like, Oh, Jason. Yeah. Um, ostracize. No, no, <laughs> we, we don't want to deal. We don't want to associate with you anymore. sounds like you're not dependable or you don't have any good ideas anymore. Right. But that's not what happened. So connecting conversations, um, absolutely helped. And of course there's always, I think a good idea if you can, um, to have coaches, but whatever form that is, you, you absolutely need to know where you can go to be vulnerable and connect and, and kind of get that, that kind of support. Cause it's just a must. Mm, I completely agree. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit. Cause one of the things that you mentioned to me, um, kind of in our pre interview is that you kept a quick reference guide throughout this process to kind of remind you of the things that you discovered. And I am very intrigued by this idea. Can you tell us what that quick reference guide looked like, how you used it, how you compiled it? Just give me all the yeah. details. Yeah. So because I'd lost touch so significantly, for a good, and I could see it was for a couple of years or more with that unique genius. It's like, why did that happen? Like, I, you know, I, and basically what I recognized was I didn't regularly remind myself of what it was. And I also didn't regularly give myself the opportunity to continue unlayering it and, and developing it. So I was like, okay, how do I keep this top of mind? And especially like right now I'm going through a very focused time of unique genius discovery. How do I make sure that it's not like all oh, awesome and great and I start getting a new direction and feeling cool and then in three years I'm looking back and going, dang it, I lost sight again, right? And if you think about, you know, there's all these wonderful assessments out there. I think some are better than others, but there are, uh, you know, two or three that I think have, you know, a lot of really good um, history behind them. And I'll just mention one, which is uh, uh, Finder 
2.0, some good research and been used for a while. Um, and you know, if anybody who's taken one of those, you have that moment of like, wow, that's totally me, which mm. feels validating and cool. And there's all these insights about do this. And if you do that, you're probably not going to enjoy it. So avoid that. And here's how to, and you know, maybe we feel all excited and cool and take one or two things and kind of apply it for a while. And maybe one thing sticks and, and you know, not, they're going to change everything that you learned all at once, but it's like, you know, within two or three months, like you, you haven't looked back at that at all. And you, just, you know, it's like you probably couldn't even remember some of the key things that you pulled away from it, right? So as I was, you know, doing the consulting and getting the feedback loops and taking assessments like StrengthsFinder um, and and having, I was like, I want, one of the reasons why is it's not easy to think about, well, I don't want to have to pull out all these books like every month or every quarter and look at them. So I said, well, what if I just pull out the most important bits that really feel like here is a snapshot of my best self is what I call it. And for me, it very simply looks like a, a document that pretty much answers questions like I am at my best when I create my greatest value in I serve others best when, um, you know, I'm most, uh, energized and creative. So it's like logging kind of the, the circumstances and skills. And that's, that was just like, whether it was pulling two or three statements out of these, you know, assessments where then they tell you about your strength or whether it was having a big aha moment from a consulting session going, wow, that, that person really responded when I was able to do X, I need to remember to do that more, you know, and then capturing that. Cause it's a lot easier than if you have one document, that's a page, maybe two at most that you can look at on a pretty regular basis or even post it where you can see it now because really, in my, in my opinion, like, again, greatest value for creating value in the world for uh, growth, for fulfillment, and even for generating income, you should be looking at that thing all the time for decisions, big and small. And so having a reference document like that, when I'm making key decisions, when an opportunity pops up, when I'm trying to decide, hey, should I go down this route with my content marketing or that route? I can look at that and remind myself, it's like, oh, I'm a lot happier when I do this kind of thing. Um, things go a lot better for me. And, uh, you know, because you're just not going to store all that stuff in your head and remember it. So that's the conclusion I came to and the solution that I came up for for helping with that. I love that. Such a great takeaway for people. Um, and I think you're right. Like, it's tempting to think that, well, our unique genius is just always with us. Like, we always mm. have access to it. And I completely agree with you that we do not, especially yeah. in those moments when we're trying to make big decisions. Because um, we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to do the businessy thing, the sensible thing. We're trying to make objective um, uh, choices. And we forget all of the stuff that we know about ourselves, about how we operate, yeah. about how we show up best, about how we feel most energized. And to have a cheat sheet for that makes a ton of sense to me. I love that idea. Um, so before we start kind of wrapping things up here, I'd love to know some more of the ways that you've applied this idea of your unique genius in your own business. I know you mentioned, you know, content marketing and having conversations with people, but what are some of the other applications that you've found for um, your unique genius? Yeah, absolutely. So one really simple one is to use it in your copy. And I, I think it might feel funny. I think anytime you're writing an about page or whatever, it feels weird to write something that's about you. And it might feel even weirder to be writing about the things you're especially good at. But I think it's important. I mean, we all want to 
have uh, you know a, a presence, a positioning that stands out in some way to feel like we do have something unique to bring to the world and the marketplace. And the truth is that we do, and you know it behooves us to to very openly own that and and point it out for people. So the right people who need that that you know can go, yes, that sounds like exactly what I need. And so. I started pulling phrases right out of um, like one of my strengths finder uh, results. Top five was maximizer and maximizer is you can look in, you know, this, this whole, what I call, cause clients often come to me with what I call a beautiful mess of assets. They have all these great opportunities and like their list of audience over here and these ideas and this, and, that, and they're just having, they're struggling to put it all together or know where to focus or to make an actual business plan. And I'm able to like find the most important like nugget and all that and say, this is the thing we need to maximize. This is where we need to. Right. And so like I can, write a phrase of copy on my work with me page or on a sales page that essentially says like that's what I do really well or people are you know I notice people are always tell me it's like wow I can bring up whatever problem or challenge or goal and it's like you immediately know some idea or tool or or resource or person to connect me with that will move it forward in some way. Like, where's this database of stuff coming from? So I started realizing that was one of the things that I do to operate. And not not, not everybody's brain operates that, that way. Like, I have this database of stuff and I'm compelled in my curiosity talking to someone to like just search that database and go, oh, here's something. I think you should check out, you know, the third chapter of this book. And they're just like, well, where did that come from? So these are things now that I talk about in my copy and openly just, just really own them because there are people going to go like, yes, I need somebody who thinks that way because I don't think that way or I don't approach things that way. So that's the, the first way. It's just in the, in the copy. The second is definitely in the offers. I, I work with clients all the time where they're like, yeah, my offers are just, I don't know, they're not scaling right. They don't feel right. Something's off. And it's, you know, it's because they've ended up you know, going with a, uh, what I call value channel or just like a modality or format, you know, they've gone all the way with all, like I did with all digital courses. Cause like, mm -hmm. well, that's what's scalable. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. <laughs> Turn, you know, and it turns out that what they really should be doing is, uh, you know, retreats because that's where their unique genius will, um, show up better. So this whole, like, Oh, I should have like, I really, I really hate this whole, idea that there's a certain ladder of offers you're supposed to have. It's like yes. you have the ebook and then you have this <laughs> and then you have the digital and then you have the duh, and then you have the mastermind. Guess what? Some people should not be doing masterminds and some people are never going to be happy doing digital courses. So no, that's not what the, the, uh, the product suite looks like for everyone because that's not going to be the right fit for your, your, uh, unique genius. So I've already talked about how my offers, I'm always trying to um, craft them so I can show up at my, at my best. And then with my content marketing, um, you know, it's, it's the same. I've, I've got, and actually there's, this is, this is an example from a client that I really like because he knew he wanted a podcast for a long time, finally got it started, but would just keep having these false starts and being consistent with creating. And he's like, Oh, it's so frustrating. Cause I know that if I kept this going and what we finally realized was that him on the mic solo, just talking was not a good fit. Um, but he didn't want to do interview shows. And as we dug into it, he said, well, I'm happiest when I'm like in front of a classroom of people and I'm like on the whiteboard. And, and, you know, so I was like, well, maybe we can go towards video. And he, you know, for a few reasons, he didn't like that. What we ended up, what we ended up coming up with was, well, when you record your podcast, you need to have someone there as a co-host. It doesn't always have to be the same person. You need a student there in the room with you on the mic with you. 
So now you're interacting with them as a student and that's, you know, triggering that thing in you. And he, he thought, you know, that's great because now I'm actually going to look forward to recording my podcast and now it's going to be, you know, and, and it's going to engage all those things in me where I show up at my best as opposed to just trying to sound like a podcast supposed to sound by doing either interviews or like these solo monologues. So there's another example of like there's so many different ways to do this and it doesn't have to look like what everyone else does. And by all means, make sure that it leverages those best parts of yourself because it's just going to be more fun and the marketplace is going to respond way better to it as well. I'll just say preach again. <laughs> All right. So Jason, I have loved hearing kind of how you've made this transition, how it has evolved, you know, all the kind of the nuts and bolts behind uh, kind of where your head's at with the offers that you're making right now and how you're serving your clients right now. But I'm curious, what's next for you? What do you have coming out um, down the line, either, you know, at the end of 2018 here or coming out into 2019? Yeah, so I I've always just loved this this idea of of helping people reconnect with or connect with their their unique genius um and really just you know moreover their that their entire business you know stays in that place that not only reflects their unique genius but also their unique uh, perspective and voice and the thing that they really want to bring um to the world and having gone through this huge inflection point and knowing that a lot of, that we regularly go through these things and again there's a huge opportunity cost to that confusion of being stuck and 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 not knowing where our blinders are um what I've developed over the last couple of years is workshops where the idea is, you know, maybe you come back to it quarterly, maybe you come back to it once a year, but it's essentially, you know, depending on what level you're at with your business, it would change, but essentially it's that place where you can go for a couple of days and know that you're going to leave realizing, oh, yep, I lost sight of the message right there, or I've been chasing the wrong audience, or yeah, my, my genius disappeared and I didn't even really, like, that aha moment comes back and then you go, okay, now I see what I was, and now I know what I need to do next or what I need to let go of or what I need to focus on or what the next experiment should be. And clarity comes back, confidence comes back, the opportunity cost of stalling, you know, dissipates. Um, and I just want to be able to help people maybe not have to take two years like I did for their next leap to the next evolution of their body of work in the world, but that, you know, there's a facilitation of making that very quickly happen. Um, and so that's what I'm uh, focused on doing is figuring out kind of the, the the best way. Right now I've been doing them online, but I'd really like to, yeah, start doing those in person. And so that's what I'll be looking at in uh, 2019 is how to get those frameworks and that process out in front of more people um, and, uh, you know, help people not get stalled out in doing their best work. I love it. Jason Van Orden, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation. And I am looking forward to pointing people to this interview for years to come. Because if you don't mm, believe nice. me, I hope you believe Jason. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Love it. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, thank you. Find out more about Jason Van Orden at jasonvanorden.com. Do you find yourself bumping up against the same frustrations, the same results, and the same revenue year after year? You've hit the ceiling. Now, no shame there. It's a bump in the road that almost all business owners face. And the way past it isn't by following the latest marketing fad or reorganizing your to-do list. Nope. The solution is much more subtle than that. After interviewing over 160 business owners over the last three years, I've been able to spot the small mindset shifts that make room for big results. And I'm sharing them with you in my forthcoming book, Subtle, The Small Changes That Lead to Big Results. 
We're officially releasing it on November 28th, 2018. But if you pre-order before November 20th, 2018, you get our full pre-publication bundle, including two live Q&A book club discussions with me for just $15. Go to cocommercial.co slash subtle to grab your copy. That's cocommercial.co slash subtle. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs, and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.